Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn to the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Just a couple quick text messages, then we'll get to our guy, Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, currently on the Next Level Chef. Uh, one from the 925, does age matter now with the way rules are? No, not really. I don't think so. It's really the point I was trying to make. The age doesn't really affect these guys anymore. These quarterbacks, they play for a long time. Jason in Maryland, it's always great to hear from him. He said, I think I'd take Hooker over Levis. Granted, I don't think the quarterback for the future of the Raiders is out there. It's obvious, in my opinion, I think the fact that it was prompted Ziegler to say what he said on Busted with the Boys and why Vinny has now turned to tempering the expectation of Raider fans on the morning show. And Jason, thanks for that text. And, you know, I laugh as well when I listen to Vinny because uh, I know he always Vinny, – Vinny talks from a place of knowledge, not just taking stuff and throwing it against the wall and hoping it sticks. So when I see Vinny kind of maybe change his tune or, or start to talk about something else in a different direction, he either heard something – or he feels like he's he's hearing something, right? It's always, again, it's never just he's just pulling something out of his back pocket and throwing it against the wall. So I'm with you, Jason, and I'm not an, I'm not an insider. I'm not a guy who sits down and talks to the GM or any sources in the building. I'm not that guy. Uh, actually, I talk to Vinny like you do, right? And so when I hear you know Vinny kind of allude to certain things, I really pay attention because I know that he knows people in the organization and plenty of people around the league that he talks to and gets a in- good insight on what's going on. So uh, that has caught my attention as well. So you very well could be right about that, that the quarterback of the future may not be uh, a guy that's in the mix at all this year. And for me, I think that'd be a bit disappointing uh, because I'd like to see what the future quarterback position is going to look like for the silver and black. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's all we're all waiting for, right? We're all just wanting to see how this plan shakes out. Thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. And joining us now on the phone lines is our good friend, Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back and next level chef who's on to round three. And, Mark, how's it feel to be on to round three? Man, it's it's a relief, man. I, I know if you show me, I know you guys are tuned in, and everybody's been tuning in. Social media's been really good, uh, so man, it, it it's nerve wracking, man. But I I made round three. Uh, you know, I know my family. You know, once they found out I was on the show, they're like, "Don't be the first one to get cut." You know, so <laughs> first cut, man. I made the second cut, so we're now on the round three. And, Hopefully I can uh, continue to move on. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, man. Round two was fun. Round two was fun. Party like a guac star is what it was calling. You guys were uh, you guys were making some Mexican foods, and you guys were on the top level of the of the whole. Th- I mean, that was good. You guys weren't in the basement like the the folks on the bottom level. They were in the basement. They didn't have the great cooking materials. They didn't have any of that good stuff. You guys were on the the tip of the top, man. You guys were at the very top. How did all that feel? How, how did all that shake out? And what an emotional show that is as well. Man, I'm telling you, man, people don't really realize how stressful it is. Um, I'm, I'm sure if you might, everybody looked at my face uh, last week, I was like, I had the game face on. There was no smiling. <laughs> uh, you know, I wasn't happy. Of course, you know, I was like, man, I can't go home. I just dropped the plate. I started a fire. Now we got turkey, though. Know, we got Mexican themes. So I was like, oh, shoot, this is my wheelhouse. You know, I'm from Cali. We can make the tacos now. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know, I know that's right. And and honestly, man, like I said, it's it's really emotional. And and there's a few ladies on the show that were getting choked up. And I forget her name, but there was one that started tearing up. And she said, "Hey, I like to cook with wine, you know." And this is this is stressful. This ain't this ain't wine time. So I mean, when the pressure's on and the clock is ticking, and you got folks talking and chirping in your ear, man, is it almost feel like you're back in game mode where where you know, hey, you can't make a, a bad play because that could cost your team the game. You cannot make one mistake. One mistake, man, can cost you a spot on the show. And her name was Michelle. Uh, we actually shared the same station uh, on the top level. Uh, so, you know, she was gracious enough to let me share her uh, station. And, you know, she was really emotional. You know, Gordon's talking to her. He seemed like he talked to her a lot that session. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I, was, you, I don't know if people really realize, but my game plan that last week was to – Stay away from Gordon as much as possible so he wouldn't have to talk to me so I could just focus on my dish and make it the platform. So I had a game plan going in, you know. So I was like, man, just stay away because he's going to want to talk. But, you know, it's very distracting. Obviously, you know, when you have Gordon in your face, man, uh, you know, telling you what you need to do and, you know, different things. But, you know, we have Ka- Ka- you know, Casey is, is amazing. Vinny is amazing. Chef Tucker, who saved me from round one. And then we have Preston, the young guy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who stepped up as well. So we have a lot of people, man. I know my man Alex is going to call in. He got eliminated last week. But, man, this dude is off the chain. He can cook. Uh, he's an Italian guy. So when he calls in, you, you'll definitely know he's Italian. <laughs> Not mad at that at all. Mark McMillan is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Damon's got one for you. No, well, actually, we have Chef Alex on the line now, so I want to throw this next question nice. out to him. So what was that experience like when you're in the in the kitchen? And Mark's talking about it a little bit, but what was your experience like when it was party like a guac star? What was going through <laughs> your mind when you had to make a dish centered around guacamole? Well, I, what's up, everybody? Thanks for having me, Mark. I love you, my brother. Man, what was that like? Bro, I'm Italian. I uh, I wouldn't say Mexican cuisine is my number one go-to. <laughs> so, I mean, man, I was scrambling. I was trying to put stuff together, and it was a huge challenge. I mean, for me, it was a huge challenge. You know, Chef Naisha was doing any and everything that she could to push me across the finish line, and, I, you know, I just, I just couldn't get there, you know? So, uh... Look, we, you know, we love pressure, you know, we love stress, but man, that was pressure packed and that was as stressful a situation as I've ever been in. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, no, it looks stressful, you know, and then you're in the elimination round and, you know, you're going up against uh, uh, Cassie and, and I think both of you guys did a great job. Obviously, somebody has to go home and eventually that was you, but I loved your story, Alex. I really did. I love the fact that you talked about your dad and I thought that that was really special. And, you know, this is a cooking thing, but I love how it has stories and how you could tie it into family and you tied it in with your dad. Just talk about that uh, that story that you shared on the show. I appreciate you. You know, Dad was an amazing man, uh, a very attentive father, uh, was an amazing coach, just like Mark was and is. And uh, my dad loved corn his whole life. So when I got to the corn challenge, I'm like, all right, there's no doubt my dad would love corn 86 ways. I couldn't grab enough corn to put on that dish. (laughs) What I do, I did the cream of corn, I did the succotash, I did some baby corn, Man, I, you know, I was trying to put it together. And then Gordon Ramsay comes in, and he's about to taste the food. I'm like, oh, God, please. You know, let's, let, let, let's get a good review on this one. But look, you know, just like you said, it's, you know, it's competition. Somebody's got to go home. We both cooked great dishes. Cassie's dish was better. 
and that was it. I mean, it was, you know, it was a slow process, but the ending was so abrupt because you're walking out and you're just like, holy shit, I'm going home. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> so such is life, you know? You, you wanted to stay. You wanted to compete. I mean, look, the winner gets a quarter of a million and, you know, a one-year mentorship with Gordon Ramsay. Trust me, I wanted that in the worst way. I just didn't come to fruition. Right, absolutely, I'm Chef. I'm still, still rooting everybody on. Chef Alex, Chef Mark joined us here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And uh, Chef Alex, as far as just, I mean, again, it didn't get where you wanted to go. You didn't get to the, you know, get the, the mentorship. You didn't get the, you know, the, the deal and all that. But just being proud of yourself for getting to where you were and being able to do what you do and have that experience, how much did that whole experience and everything mean to you? You know, whatever feelings I had of, man, I didn't win or I got knocked out early are overwhelmed with gratitude, you know, not only for just being on the show, you know, and getting that far, um, you know, but also for the family of chefs that I met. I mean, there's 18 of us. I would tell you, we all love each other. And it's, you know, it's going to be a sibling rivalry the rest of your life. But how much do you love your siblings? You know, you love them, you know? So it just truly and remarkably was an incredible experience, an incredible opportunity and we all knew that right at that second. We're like, man, this is special. So let's make the most of it. And at the end of the day, there's 18 talented people, 18 talented chefs. There's only so much that you could do, you know, to advance. You know, you got to do your best. I mean, look at my boy Mark, baby. He survived day one, and, you know, in spite of burning the kitchen down and all, throwing the thing. Bro, honestly, what better way to kick off the show than that? It was glorious, you know? And, you know, we didn't. We didn't see what happened really until we saw it on TV because I was in a different kitchen cooking. So we didn't really know the impact of what was going on. But, oh, my God, it was absolutely hysterical. I loved it. And I love watching, you know, Mark compete and advance. He's on to round three. And my boy still got a shot at, at the mentorship and the money. So I'm rooting for him for sure. He's my guy. Absolutely. He's our guy as well, talking with Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back and next-level chef. And we have Chef Alex on the, on the show with us as well, Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. Go ahead, DeMond. Yeah, Mark, I want to ask you about the tacos that you made because obviously when you know that you're safe and you just get to sit back and say, hey, I don't have to make the uh, dish where they had to use the corn, obviously. What's that feeling like <laughs> where you know that, hey, my dish was good enough, but I'm watching two other chefs that I've grown to know and yeah. it's just, you don't get to taste the food. Uh, you just get to look at it. What's going through your mind where it's just like, man, both of these dishes look amazing. I don't know who's going home either. Yeah, it was. It, that, if you guys, I'm, I'm sure you guys watched the battle, man. It was close. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that battle was, it was because everybody can cook, man. It's like, you know, you're just thrown into a pressure cooking situation where it's life or death. Uh, but, you know, Cassie is a, a teammate of mine. Being, you know, Alex being close to Alex as well. We spent a lot of time together, man. Uh, off camera we're there man a long time we're there for a long time so we built up a good relationship with each other and of course i'm pulling for my teammate but you know you hate to see anybody go home uh in this competition we know it has to happen uh but like i've been in this position before i've been cut i've been traded i've been released you know so uh (laughs) i'm just ready for anything but you know i knew i was safe finally i was like man i finally cooked a dish that was good my tacos had nice crunch to it when Blaze said I, my tacos was good. So I was like, okay, I finally got a yes. yes. You know, I didn't get it from Gordon yet, but I finally got a yes. But, uh, you know, like I said, my man Alex, man, 
we have a group text that goes off all day, all night with all 18 contestants. So <laughs> this is truly like a good team, man, that I'm a part of. And like I said, I've been on a lot of football teams, but this next left chef uh, family, I- I'm telling you guys, we are so close. It is funny with the stuff that comes through our text messages every day. Alex, something that I want to ask you about is we saw with that last dish, it was corn-centered, and you had to make something out of corn, and it had that sentimental value. But what would have been the dish for you where it would have been, hey, I got this in the bag, I'm definitely not going home because no one is making something better than me when it comes to this? I mean, look, I would say, obviously, Italian cuisine is right up my wheelhouse, so... I mean, any dish of pasta I would crush. I mean, I was so pissed I didn't get a chance to cook pasta on the <laughs> damn show. But, I mean, the first dish I cooked was good. It was clams. I've been working with clams since I'm a baby, you know. Um, so I would say any of those nice, exquisite dishes of pasta I, I would have crushed. But um, that's the way the ball bounces. You're a great chef when you can dip into any genre with any ingredient and put it together. And uh, trust me, you're going to see as this show evolves. I mean, look at Mark. Mark is still there, and he's a talented chef. And he could just he could take that stuff and just whip it right up. So I think it's really impressive. I'm being honest with you. I mean, you know, look, obviously it's a different lens for me. I'm intimate with all 17 of the other chefs, so I know them personally. I know how talented they are. Um, but it, it, Mark is right. I mean, you're separating hairs here between all of these chefs. Everyone can cook, and I mean really well and really exquisitely. And if you have a lapse in concentration, just this much, just a tip, it's over. And that's pretty much what happened to me on that Mexican dish. I had corn husks, never cooked with them, and I was like, what am I? And I was panicking instead of flowing through the dish. And lesson learned. I mean, trust me, you learn more, you know, in 45-minute cook you know, than you do in the last 45 months of your life. It is, <laughs> it is unbelievable, brother. I, I, I wish, you know, more people could experience it. It's crazy. No doubt. No doubt. Good stuff right there, Chef Alex. Of course, we got Chef Mark, Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back. And, Mark, I did want to ask you a couple questions. I mean, this is the offseason time. As you mentioned it, man, you've been released from teams. You've been picked up by teams. You've gone through free agency. You've done this, that, and the other. What is this time period like in between the end of the regular season? It's not quite the new season yet, the new league year, but transactions are happening. Teams are trimming the fat to say and, and just, you know, getting ready and planning for the next year. Um, it, it's a good time of year, um, you know, especially if you're a free agent. You know, with the contract that they're throwing around now, uh, if you had a good year last year and your contract was up, you sit back and you just lick your chops because you know you're about to get paid. And, you know, there's a lot of free agents out there. We talk about the Raiders. Josh Jacobs is a guy that's sitting back like, hey, you know, all I did was lead the league in rushing, and you guys didn't want to re-sign me during the right. beginning of the season, and now you got to pay me or somebody else is going to pay me. So, You know, there's a lot of things going around. Obviously, Devontae Adams, you know, signs a big deal. Now he doesn't have that true quarterback that we're looking for here. Um, You know, you have Saquon Barkley, whose whose deal is coming up to an end. You have Daniel Jones. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that's looking to hit that payday. And, you know, if you're a guy that's, uh, you know, there's Robert Woods. I saw a guy released by the Tennessee Titans. Tweets out, where should I go? You know, social media is crazy. Now these guys are asking their followers to which team they should go to. So, It'll be pretty interesting to see which which direction the Raiders go. Um, obviously, that's our, our team here that we cover. Um, as far as the quarterback situation, do they go after a, a veteran quarterback? 
Do they groom uh, send them? You know, how, how does that work? And, you know, there's a lot of holes that they need to fill with the Raiders, and they need to start stepping up and start making some moves instead of these little click clickbait uh, comments coming from the GM. <laughs> there you go, and he was on bustle with the boys. So yeah, you're talking about all those uh, statements and all that, all that that came out on that podcast. And I asked this question, Mark, yesterday to Raider Nation: If Jared Stidham was the quarterback in 2023, what would their expectations be for a, a player in the locker room? If Jared Stidham and you saw him for a two-game sample size, like the rest of us did, if he was a starting quarterback, what would you feel like the team's expectations should be? Uh, we we still got a lot a lot of work to do. You know, he he did good in two games. Obviously, when you have Devontae Adams and you have Josh Jacobs running the ball, uh, you know, and you have Waller who came back, Renfro who came back, so he had all the weapons to work with, and he uses his legs good. Nobody had a lot of film on him, so they really didn't know what to expect. Uh, but guys have film on him now, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a different ball game. And you know, if I'm a Raider receiver, I'm not excited. I'm not jumping up and down. You know, saying, hey, you know, we're going to the next level. Um, because the competition is uh, is tough. Uh, yeah. You know, the Bills are still good. The Chiefs are still good. The Chargers are still good. You know, the Broncos are, are rebuilding a little bit over there, but they have a head coach who can get it done. You know, uh, they got Peyton over there. So, you know, the division is still tough. And, you know, you need a quarterback that's going to walk into that huddle where your key guy, Devontae Adams, feels good that he has a chance to go to the playoffs and possibly to a Super Bowl. I agree. I agree 100%. It's going to be very interesting on how everything shakes out. And, of course, until the quarterback situation is kind of resolved. And, you know, Dave Ziegler said maybe the maybe the guy of the future is not, you know, not going to be resolved this year, which kind of was concerning right. for me. Uh, you know, I, I was a little yeah. bit like, well, that's probably not a good idea, but – here we are, and he's not going to play all his cards, obviously, out in the media. But um, that's it's it's really really interesting. Do you think that they should make a move for Aaron Rodgers? Do you think that'd be the best idea out there? You know, if you got the assets to do it, if you got if you can make that deal happen, you make that deal happen. Obviously, you know he's probably got two, three more good years left in him. You got an offense that's that's built credit, you know that's built around him. He's very familiar with Devontae Adams. All he did was what win two super uh, two MVPs with that young man. Uh, set numerous records. Um, he's playing indoors. He's playing on grass. He doesn't have to deal with the cold weather. So if you can make that deal happen, you got to make that deal happen. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, if you don't make it happen, there's going to be some guys in that locker room that's like, man, imagine if we would have had Aaron Rodgers, what we would be. You know, right now, everybody's chasing Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, Jalen Hurts is, is uh, you know, proving himself over the years for all the skeptics that said he wasn't a good quarterback. So, you know, those young quarterbacks are, are, are separating themselves. And, you know, you look at DeAndre Hopkins, who's over there sitting in with the Cardinals. He's got to be looking at all this and be like, man, I'm one of the, I'm a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver, and I'm sitting over here in all this mess. So there's a lot of key guys out there wishing they were in better positions with a star quarterback. No doubt. Well, as we wrap this up, I want to go back to Chef Alex real quick. Uh, and, Chef, I realize that you're in Miami and you're also an ICU doctor. Uh, and, I, and I know that that is – I mean, we talk and we have a lot of fun here, but that's some real He's deal. Life. He loves the Jets. <laughs> he what? He loves the Jets. Say it again. I'm right here, baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was saying that you're in Miami and you're you're an ICU doctor, and we have a lot of fun here on the radio. We we get to joke and laugh, but what you do, you know, in real life, you know, in in, in your real nine to five is is life changing. So one, we'd like to thank you, but how how you know how how uh, I guess satisfying is is that being able to know that you're actually helping and serving the community as well? Nah, uh, you know, I I guess I grew up in a house with my grandparents. You know, they were sick growing up. You know, my dad died young. 
So I've always been around, you know, I guess, caring for people and loving for people. And I guess it was just a natural progression for me without really any push from any family member. I mean, I made my own choice, um, but I love doing it. And I've never, I'm 48 years old, I have never for one second driven into the hospital either not happy or completely satisfied with what I was doing. So definitely grateful to God that, you know, I chose something that I really love and enjoy in that I get to serve people. But I did, I do have a question for Raider Nation. I'm a diehard Jets fan. I feel like (laughs) we're both in the same boat going after Rogers. (laughs) I think the, like, who's going to get him? Well. He's leaving. I think he's out of the building. Okay. He says we in the building. I think Rogers is leaving. (laughs) And I think the Raiders and the Jets are at the top of the list. I would think so, too. I really do. Now, let me ask you this. Since you're a Jets fan, do you think that the Jets should just go all in on Derek Carr since he was already in the building, or should they hold out and wait to see what Rodgers wants to do? I think you have to wait out for Rodgers. I mean, I'm curious, why did you guys get rid of Carr? Was he not, is he not the guy to take you to the promised land? So- uh, I mean, he's good. He's good. He's just he's he's nine years good, and I think that they were ready to to, to move on. I mean, I just it's a new staff, and and they didn't they didn't see what they liked enough to feel like that they wanted to give him forty million dollars guaranteed, so they decided to move on. I think that's really yeah. the best way to put it. Right, listen, and if you're going to let McDaniel's do the job, then you got to let him pick the ingredients, so to speak. So yep. Carr is not his guy, but my thought is is Carr somebody else's guy? Could Carr come to the Jets and be? So yeah, I'm. To get playoffs, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Ooh. I mean, that's what you're going for. I yeah. know. So that's yeah. why I think you have to sit out, wait for Rodgers, and see what happens. There you go. Well, good stuff. Well, the Jets, apparently, the front office told him that if they go and he goes there and wins, he could be a Hall of Fame quarterback. So they're trying to woo him. They're trying to make him feel good. And I think he's a good quarterback. So if, we'll... I went, if I went in there and won a championship, I'd be in the damn Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> There he is. Super Bowl for the Jets, Hall of Fame. There you go. I love it. Chef Alex and Chef Mark. And, of course, Mark, former NFL defensive back, joins us each and every week. All right, Mark, tell us about the show. Uh, what are we going to see? When are we going to see it tomorrow? Oh, man, tune in tomorrow night on Fox, man. It's definitely going to be another showdown. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're the last six standing on our team. So each team has had somebody, you know, went home. So, you know, we're still fighting for that title, man. So we're all six still still standing. So tune in on Fox and root on all the teams, not just Team Ramsey, because we have a good family. You know, Chef Blaze, Chef Aisha, Arrington has a great team as well. But, of course, Chef Ramsey, we in the building, all six. <laughs> tune in on Fox tomorrow night, baby. There it is. There it is. Well, I appreciate both of you guys. Chef Alex, great job. We appreciate you joining the show. And, Mark, as always, we appreciate you joining the show as well. Oh, my God, this is so exciting. Mark, thank you so much. So grateful to be here. Thank you, guys. Mark, good luck tomorrow night. Yes, sir. There it is. Mark McMillan and Chef Alex joining us. There you go. That's the show right there, boy. I think I'm just going to drop the mic and walk away. Good stuff right there. Chef Alex and Chef Mark McMillan uh, get to talk a little bit of NFL, plus we get to talk about uh, The Next Level Chef, which is a very, I mean, that second show, uh, me watching it, was it was, it was really good. I, I got myself caught up in the show a little bit and was really enjoying it, so I definitely encourage you to check it out as well on Fox. Coming up next, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. We'll talk some Hendon Hooker. We'll talk some Will Levitz. We got a lot of back and forth going on our Don'tBeBroke.com text line about those guys. We'll dive into it next here on Rare Nation Radio. 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q.
the stuff with Chef Alex and Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back. Chef Alex was actually eliminated on Next Level Chef on episode two, but we had him on the show, so we definitely appreciate him. I uh, also got a couple text messages on our don'tbebroke.com text line. Got a text from the 707. Will Levis played in a pro-style offense, so why would he need more time to develop than a hooker who ran a typical up-tempo college spread offense? The last guy you guys had on talking about hooker said he needed a year or two to develop, which is normal for most college quarterbacks from spread offenses. Again, that text came from the 707. Joining us now on the phone lines from the Draft Network is our good friend Ryan Fowler. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler underscore. Ryan, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And you had a tweet that uh, caught my attention just the other day talking about head Hooker that he's met with the Raiders, uh, also met with the Giants and talked to who else? The Cowboys, the Saints, the Panthers, all during the pre-draft process. Uh, how do you think those conversations, what was the understanding that you got that those conversations went with the Raiders and Hendon Hooker? Yeah, Q, appreciate you having me on, man. Always enjoy your content. Um, yeah, they went well. Talking with Hendon, um, first off, Hendon is, is an individual that if you're any GM, this is the time of year when you're talking about guys that you want to pound the table for. Um, and this is an excellent part of the process to where you kind of take a step back to where the season's over, the film's all out there. Who do these guys, from a character perspective, who are they behind the face mask and when they take their helmet off? And as a leader and as a young quarterback, Hendon Hooker has impressed me when I met him down in Mobile as one of the most impressive young individuals from a character perspective. And him sharing that with me and, and individuals that he's met with in each of those organizations, what he spoke about with the Raiders, we're all positive. And he had, obviously, the opportunity to compete at an organization right now that's looking for that QB1, whether they go the route of free agency or a trade, or they go with a young quarterback. I don't think that Jarrett Stidham is going to be the answer moving in to the fall. And if you have a guy like Hendon Hooker, someone that, yeah, you, there's some age concerns there. There's some translatability as far as from what he did at Tennessee and into the, and his projection coming off an ACL into year one. But everything that I heard from his meetings with every team, including Oakland, excuse me, Las Vegas, uh, were positive. <laughs> No doubt. Ryan Fowler is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And I like what I hear about Hendon Hooker and what I saw, and I hated when he tore his ACL. I thought he was a guy that would have been a Heisman Trophy finalist, and obviously that didn't shake out. If he had not torn his ACL, how high do you think he would have gone in this upcoming draft? I think even right now he's a late-day one guy for me. Mm. Um, he is my fourth quarterback on my board, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Hendon Hooker right there. I have him in front of Will Levis. I absolutely love his game, and the biggest thing from EQ – is when you watch him down at Virginia Tech, and for those that are unfamiliar, you know, you watch Hennon's game and say, oh, he was successful at, in the SEC and that Tennessee and that Josh Heifel offense. Well, he enjoyed a lot of struggles at Virginia Tech, and at times he looked completely unplayable down in Blacksburg. And I like guys that have been through a little bit, mm-hmm. been through the ringer, been battle-tested, it doesn't matter what position. When you look at a guy's under center and the ability to him to go and take a level up in, in play from the ACC to the SEC, now it helped that he had Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman on the outside, Drew McCoy, and working behind guys like Jerome Carvin at guard and Darnell Wright at tackle. All those names we're going to hear called on draft weekend when we get there in April. But you look at his game and what he offers at the next level. You look at his mechanics from the belly button down, the ability to create torque, his mechanics as far as creating accuracy downfield. Biggest thing with him, we talk about arm count. And guys creating have that God-given ability with arm talent. Well, some guys aren't really born with that. Being able to understand mechanically how to generate that power downfield, because nowadays in the vertically driven offense that that Tennessee offense was, driving vertical throws down the field, understanding how to be mechanically sound 
when you aren't born with that God-given ability to throw 50 yards at a 3 o'clock arm angle. So when I'm watching Hendon, seeing what he does well and how he translated from Virginia Tech to Tennessee, and I get he's 25 years old already, I really don't care about that at all. Moving forward into year one and the years to come, he's an athlete that I'm extremely excited about and I think will succeed at the next level early in his career. We're talking with Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. My man DeMond's got one for you. Something that you said that made Q and I both perk up is that you have Hendon Hooker above Will Levis in your draft board when it comes to quarterback rankings. You're not the first person to say that, but I think it's a little bit controversial. So what are some of those things about Will Levis that maybe you're not so high about him when it comes to quarterbacking at the next level? Yeah, for me, I want to see quarterbacks that win between the ears before they ever win with their arms, with their legs. Now, when you dive into that Tennessee offense, you'll have people that say, well, a lot of that was predetermined reads, right? And what that means is he's not making a ton of progressions across the field, working low to high. He's not working his eyes from the left to the right. If he saw a certain coverage, whether they're in man or in zone, he knows where he's going with the ball. But I see him, and I compare him to Wood Levis. Obviously, the frame, the arm strength, the lower half ability to create off script, all those types of things are there with Will Levis. But I want somebody specifically with Hendon, again, battle-tested, uber-successful in production, high-level character guy, and someone that's best football remains down the road. Now, Will Levis is a project as well, and I think his best football is three, four years down the road. But what I'm getting right now, and potentially for a guy intended to come into Vegas, to where there will be changes, especially in the receiver's room and the skill position's room, to a guy that can lead not just in the locker room, but then come on the field in between the hashes when you're lying man-to-man and lead an offense both cerebrally and then with his arm and with his legs. So that's why I have Hendon right now above Will Levis. And when it comes to this quarterback draft class, who do you think is the best quarterback when it comes to being a winner in between the years? Who, who do you think has the most football IQ of all the quarterbacks in this draft class? Yeah, for me, and this may be an easy answer, but, but it's Bryce Young. I've gotten to know him a little bit throughout this process, and I know there's size concerns and everything like that. Is, he, is the guy going to be able to see off the offensive lines? Is he going to have passes batted in his face? throughout his career. That, that stuff happens. But just who he is as an individual and from a character's perspective, I think as well when I talk about Hendon being battle-tested, he didn't have John Mechie and Jameson Williams outside this year. It was Jermaine Burton and Treshawn Holden, and the names go on and on and on. These are four- and five-star receivers, don't get me wrong. But the, his ability to just leap from a confidence perspective and then read progressions left to right, hit a tight end over the middle field, not play hero ball, create up his legs if he has to, Keep his eyes up when he escapes the pocket. Sometimes these young quarterbacks, they get in the league and they're getting under fire. Their eyes go to the ground. They don't stay up. Be able to create off script. Bryce Young does that extremely well, better than anybody in this class, and that's why he separates me as far as from a cerebral quarterback. He's my top quarterback in this class. Ryan Fowler is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. We're talking all things draft, and you can find his work on the Draft Network on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler underscore. And how about Anthony Richardson? We've talked about every quarterback. We didn't talk about C.J. Stroud yet, but how about Anthony Richardson? What are your thoughts on him? Man, man, man. Tools, traits, frame, big arm, supposed to run four threes. All that stuff. And those are the types of athletes that go high. You know, he's going to be, I don't think he lasts until 11, 12, 13 on the board. I think he goes extremely high. It's just finding a situation, and it goes overlooked every single year as far as finding a spot that's going to be able to develop him. Landing in that right situation. We get so spoiled with the Justin Herberts, the Patrick Mahomes, the Joe Burrows of the world coming in year one and being uber successful. For Anthony Richardson, everything is there for him to be an all-pro, all-world, all-everything five years down the line when we're looking back at this 2023 class. I think he's absolutely fantastic 
from an athletic perspective. There's just a little bit I want to see more of and wish I saw a little bit more of at Florida from a processing perspective. Now, and that same token, I think we don't give him enough credit as far as his ability to sit in the pocket and be poised and be confident and be able to deliver when the, when chaos happens around his feet, not just escape in the pocket. But he's someone as a fundamental talent, and you talk about potential. Now, that word is scary mm-hmm. because potential gets coaches fired. It's just how <laughs> things happen in this league. But you look at Anthony Richardson, how his skill set thresholds that the NFL likes to look for at the quarterback position – he has all the potential in the world, and I hope he reaches it. Is there anyone who you think could really uh, boost up their stock next week at the scouting combine? Yeah, it's always fun seeing these guys throw in T-shirt and shorts. Um, I'm extremely intrigued in Tanner McKee from Stanford. Okay. I think the NFL is higher on him than the media is, to be completely honest mm-hmm. with the individuals I've talked with around the league. Um, he could go early second round from everything that I've heard. Uh, extremely poised quarterback. Again, another guy that wins between the years. You can call him a, uh, an office chair on carpet in the pocket if you want. He's not going to be a mobile guy like Bryce or Anthony Richardson or any of these guys at the top of the class. But, again, you look at that Stanford offense, they're going to have a couple guys drafted, Elijah Higgins, Michael Wilson, both guys that were down at the Senior Bowl that are going to be some good talents in the depth perspective in receivers rooms. But you look at Tanner McKee, a big arm, big kid, again, extremely smart out of Stanford. And the biggest thing with scouts has been you look at the Stanford offense, the offensive line, just really wasn't there as far as talent around him. And placing him in a better environment at the NFL level will allow him to reach his performance ceiling. So Tanner McKee is a name, not just for the combine, but a name moving forward that, that people should pay more attention to. You were down in Mobile. The combine's coming up next week. Who do you think is going to be that guy, particularly from the receiver position, that's going to be able to rise up when he has that blazing 40 that takes everybody by surprise? Yeah, I, Trey Palmer. From Nebraska, he was down in Mobile. He's going to absolutely fly. Um, I loved see. I loved the, the whole All Star event process, just because it's our last glimpse of these guys in helmets and in pads. You know, you're not cracking anybody when you're in Indianapolis. So looking at the forty, it's going to be fun to see a guy like Jacob Copeland from Maryland. He's going to run fast. I mentioned Trey. Uh, I expect Jaden Reed from Michigan State to run fast. On Tavian Wicks from Virginia, some Senior Bowl guys. Guys are going to fly. But the biggest thing for me is that gauntlet drill, showcasing your hands, how smooth you are. And for me, a guy like Rasheed Rice from SMU was uber productive in that Mustangs offense this year, went down to Mobile and had some trouble separating. But that's okay. That's not going to make me move you from being the the fifth or sixth receiver on someone's board to being an undraftable guy or a late day three guy. I think he's a heck of a talent, play above the rim, physical, all those things that went to it. But looking at specifically that gauntlet drill and just, showcasing your hands, how smooth you are. You can tell if a guy's a basket catcher or a smooth hands catcher. That also goes into a guy like Quentin Johnson from TCU. You're six foot four. don't play small. Play big. Play above corners. If you want a big boy, somebody like a big boy in the paint, put your hand up, mouse in the house, do that. Don't be a basket catcher. Extend those hands and play big. So guys like that, uh, and again, the gauntlet drill, just being extremely smooth in those drills. You can see a lot with a guy in T-shirt and shorts, sometimes when not just in pads. Ryan Fowler is our guest from the Draft Network here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Love talking all this draft. And we got a text on our don'tbebroke.com text line. If you get a chance, can you ask Ryan if he thinks next year's quarterbacks are a lot better than the top quarterbacks from this draft? So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, man, what a class next year, huh? Caleb, Caleb Williams, Drake May at the top, two elite talents right now. And you put those guys in this class, and they may be – one or two off the board in this year's class and ahead of Bryce Young potentially. These are 
dynamic elite talent, dual threat. You want to run RPO, you want to have to sit back and deliver 45 times in the pocket, escape off script. Drake May and Caleb Williams are absolutely fantastic. And the biggest thing for me is just keeping those guys healthy next year. That, that, that's the biggest thing. Both guys have an elite skill set. Uh, we're not going to have any tanking from any NFL teams like we're seeing some NBA teams do with big Victor Wimbayama coming into <laughs> the NBA next year. Um, but both Drake May and Caleb Williams are, are fantastic. I'm not going to use the word generational, Q. I'm not going to use it. <laughs> but these, these guys are, are going to have fantastic careers at NFL level, and they'll be studs from day one, in my what? opinion. My man, DeMond, asked you about the Senior Bowl, and I wanted to ask you about the Senior Bowl MVP for Fresno State, the quarterback, Jake Hayner. We've had a lot of people call in and say, that's the guy, focus in on that guy. What are your thoughts from what you saw from Jake Hayner for Fresno State? Yeah, I would have loved to see a little bit more from Jake. Uh, watching him at Fresno State and dice up the conference, you had Jalen Cropper on the outside, Nico Remigio, Jordan Mims in that offense. Jake Hayner, I wanted to see a little bit more from him. And I'm not asking him to, to throw, you know, hit balls outside the numbers and consistently pump 25-yard out, but little things like just hitting check downs, 5, 10 yards in, in the middle of the field, doing those little things. I think when you go to these all-star events and these pre, pre-draft events, it's not to hurt your stock. I thought he hurt his stock a little bit. Again, not the biggest guy, but I'm actually high on Jay Kaner. I think he's going to come in and challenge somebody and be in the rearview mirror of somebody to be a QB1 down the line. Looking into his skill set, his ability to create inside the pocket, not as a bigger talent, ability to throw from any arm angle outside the pocket, but again, being able to just plant your feet in the ground and read from left to right or right to left, whatever your progression is taking you, and understand what defenses are doing both pre-snap and post-snap. I saw that from Jay Kaner at Fresno State. And was the Senior Bowl perfect? It wasn't, but I'm still high on Jay Kaner. I think he's going to have a long NFL career. Ryan, something that I wanted to ask you before we let you go, you're also the host of Commanding the Huddle, a Washington Commanders podcast. And I've got to ask you, Eric Bieniemy, he's been hired as the offensive coordinator, and all of the national coverage has just been, hey, this is a bad move, it's a lateral move, he's never going to be a head coach. But are Commanders fans excited for, hey, we've got this great offense of mine, let's see if he can improve the offense. Are they excited about the hire? Absolutely. There's, I mean, you guys can look back to the 2013 Washington staff, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel, all those names on and on, Kevin O'Connell, they were all in Ashburn. And all of those guys went elsewhere to get opportunities to be a head coach potentially. Now, Eric Bieniemy, there's some rumors out of Washington that Ron Rivera may retire here in the near future. And Eric Bieniemy is that next guy up. But you look at the skill sets in Washington with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown, there's going to be Sam Howell, QB1, an RPO-centric quarterback that succeeded in North Carolina in the same type of offense. There's excitement in D.C., and there really hasn't been a lot of excitement in the last 20, 25 years outside for maybe RG3 in 2012 and a couple of years with Kirk Cousins here and there. So D.C. is buzzing right now. They should be. Eric Bannon is going to bring an entirely new philosophy of the offense to where he's scheming up receivers and the skill sets and talent that they have on the outside. The new heights, and, and they should be excited. And, and I'm excited as well to see what the Burgundy and Gold can do this year. Ryan, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you, man, again, next week is the Combine. We'll be there in Indy, excited about it. Who are you most looking forward to seeing just to kind of uh, evaluate or maybe kind of further already, like, clar- not clarify, but uh, put an explanation point on what you already know? Yeah, two guys. Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher out of Iowa. I want to, the old eye test, right? We can, mm-hmm. we can talk about analytics. We can talk about production. The old eye test sometimes. Uh, I can kind of procedure a little bit. So I want to see him. Darius Rush, corner from South Carolina. Cam Smith got all the attention down there for the Gamecocks. 
Darius was outstanding at the Senior Bowl. Seeing him run, seeing him test, seeing him move on some of those drills, is um, I want to see that. Um, Taylor Hyatt from Tennessee, yeah. I want to see what he can run. We already know he's got that vertical speed, but what will he run? I want to see him in person. And then, obviously, the running backs, tons of running backs names, the B. John Robinsons of the world, Zach Charbonnet, the name, Tasha, Tasha Spears, excuse me, from Tulane's a popular name. So, this class, I know it's not as deep and as talented as last year's. I like the class personally all three days. It's just finding the guys that you know you want to pound the table for, and I, I'm extremely excited for Indy. You know, I'm glad you brought up Jalen Hyatt. I did want to ask you about him. He's a guy I'm very intrigued by his speed, and especially if you look at the Raiders' offense and what they already have. A guy that can stretch the field is really all that they need. How do you think that he would slide into a, a Josh McDaniels-led offense, especially with all the weapons that the Raiders already have? Yeah, it remains to be seen as far as who the Raiders are going to line at receiver. I know Matt Collins is a free agent, Keelan Cole. The depth really isn't there, and we'll see what happens with Devontae Adams. Obviously, we'd love to have him back in Vegas. Hunter Renfro, we know, is going to live in the slot. But this is 2023. you got to have somebody that's going to not just threaten the defense from a lifting the roof perspective, mm-hmm. but someone that can also create after the catch. You put the ball in his hands. Is the route tree there in that hypo offense? No, that's a question of his heading into the NFL. But you get the ball in his hands, and you got to yep. put points on the board. As long as football's been around, most points win last time I checked. <laughs> and Jalen Hyatt consistently was in the end zone. So seeing him run, he's going to blaze. He's also got a great intangible. He's got some of the best hair in the draft. That little stuff matters. So um, I'm excited to see Jalen Hyatt run as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun week in Indy that I'm definitely looking forward to. Well, Ryan, this has been fantastic stuff. Again, Ryan Fowler, the Draft Network, at underscore Ryan Fowler, underscore on Twitter. What do you got coming out that uh, folks should be on the lookout for? Yeah, lots of draft content in Indy. Um, I will be there as well. Hope to see you guys there. Jackdownwork.com, yep. um, audio, video content. We'll have interviews with players. And, again, if you don't follow me already on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. There he goes. Well, we'll definitely link up with you in Indy, man. We appreciate you. Uh, have safe travels. And, like I said, we'll see you at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. Appreciate you guys. All right, there he goes. Ryan Fowler, great stuff. The Draft Network. Love it. Love it. I mean, man, you just have so many different angles that you can dissect these players, talk about the draft class, talk about different positions, talk about the quarterback. And, again, it's so strange. I say it all the time. I was on uh, Bison 1660 earlier today. Matter of fact, I was in uh, – I wasn't in, but I was uh, on the radio in uh, Fargo Raiders' uh, neck of the woods. And, you know, it's just – it's so funny talking about what the Raiders are going to do at the quarterback position because there's so many different – angles that you could take there's so many different approaches and so many different things that they could do that we just have no idea until they start to actually do it the first time in a long time that the Raiders have needed a quarterback 347 is the time we'll come back close out hour number two just like that it's Radio Nation Radio 920 now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio man we've been going fast and furious on today's show very excited about it we're about to wrap up hour number two Kicking hour number three, the final hour of Unnecessary Rough. This is the question I threw out there, and I know we haven't had a lot of time for phones or text, but the question I threw out there is, under center, who would you like in 2023? A veteran quarterback like a Rodgers, a Jimmy G, maybe a Baker Mayfield, one of the veterans that may be available or are available. Would you like Jared Stidham or a rookie? Those are the options that I have out there, 707-702, excuse me, 365-9200. Also, our don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Got a text from the 408, Stidham and a rookie, trade back from number seven, maybe multiple times. Get more picks to fill the roster, take a quarterback mid to late first round, fifth-year option on quarterback in first round. That's from the 408. We appreciate that text. Uh, go, let's go out to the phone line. So, again, 702-365-9200. Shields up. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Q, how you doing, man? I'm blessed. How are you? 
Good. Thank you, man. And, uh, of course, thank you for taking my call. For sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a list of quarterbacks that I'm looking at. I mean, the top of the list is Rodgers and then Garoppolo and Mayfield and everything else. But I'm just going to focus and not take much of your time on Rodgers. Now, there's all kind of various reports coming out. Mm-hmm. But the link is undeniable with Adams. And he's got playoff experience. And, all right, let's go through a couple of scenarios. All right, say the rumors are now that Green Bay wants about and they'll take anything. Or, you know, so we give them a second and third rounder. We keep the first. We trade down with the first, get multiple picks, hopefully, in the second and third round. Or I'm willing, in my opinion, to give up the first round pick because if we give up the first round pick, we're going to have close to $80 million when the cap increases roundabout. So we could pick up a couple high price defensive players with that money, and that could make up for that first round pick. Some experienced defensive players, Hardgrave, I know you mentioned before mm-hmm. that Deron Payne will probably be uh, tagged, but I think we can get a corner, a top notch corner, Ramsey. Bradbury and Hargrave are one of the top DTs in free agency. That will make up for that first round pick that we give away. And then the second, third round, we just continue. But I, to me, Rodgers is, 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 a, is a no-brainer. I think he's playing with the media, with this whole darkness, cave. He's living in the mountains. <laughs> Whatever he's doing. All I know is he was at the Pro-Am tour in Pebble Beach. So right. it's not dark over there. Okay? Right. You're in California. All right? So I think he's just coming back maybe a little bitter about the whole vaccine thing and, 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 and playing with the media. We all know he was bitter during the draft when he went late in the first round. So there could be a chip on his shoulder and everything else. But if you look at our Raider history, our beloved Raider history, we've signed these people over and over again. Q, thank you for taking my call. And as always, shields up, man. Boom, there it is. Great call. Shields up. Definitely appreciate it. Appreciate the breakdown. Let's hustle up real quick and go out to Hardcore Raider. You're up next. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q. What's up, man? Uh, Hey, you asked last week about uh, free agents, and uh, Taylor Luan got uh, released today from the Titans. So, uh, you know, if he's healthy, man, that dude's a super stud. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah. Hey, uh, but, yeah, I want to talk about the quarterback, you know. I mean – Look, if Aaron Rodgers ain't available, there ain't nobody, like, I really want to go out and get. Not Jimmy G, none of that, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I I, I looked at it in depth, and, like, here's kind of my take and, and, like, where I'm at on everything, you know? Um, We can spend that money on defense, right? And we don't know what we have or don't have with Stidham. I mean, the dude was hurt for, like, what, a year, year and a half or something? So I'm not saying he's going to be the next coming, you know? But a guy like Hinton Hooker, which I'm, like, like, here's my take, like, I think Hendon Hooker is going to be the best quarterback out of anybody in this draft if he gets his knee healthy, straight up. You know, People forget that Dave Ziegler and the Raiders staff, they went and saw the Florida game and Anthony Richardson, right? Well, that game was with the Tennessee uh, you know, college football team, and yep. Hooker was that quarterback. And you know, if you look at the schedule, I mean, Hooker was like balling with some of these teams. They beat Alabama. You know, they played against Georgia, and they at least gave them a run for their money. I'm not even sure Hooker is going to fall to the late first round. If you look at other teams that are going to need a quarterback, potentially, Falcons, number eight in the draft, uh, Panthers, number nine, uh, Jets, 13, uh, who's the other one, uh, Saints, 29. I'm not even sure Hooker is going to last until that. 
Like, so I'm all for trading back and maybe getting some draft picks. But, like, if, if our guy is, say, Hooker, and I think Hooker is going to be the best guy in this draft, I mean, the dude is 6'4", 218 pounds. Him and Will Levis are the only quarterbacks in college that have started for four years. Let me repeat that. They're the only quarterbacks in this draft that's, like, top prospects that played for four years. So everybody that's saying he's too old, well, guess what? Look at the years of your prime. It's years 26 to 30. And if we can get him under a cheap uh, rookie deal, well, you know what? Give him half a season to sit, get healthy, start sit him, and I bet you this dude is going to ball out. And he's got size and he's got skill. Good stuff. Thank you for the call, Hardcore Radar. I appreciate you. Got to take a break. I'll say this real quick. Uh, you know, Hendon Hooker not making it out of the first round is a surprise to me. We've heard it multiple times today. Not saying that that's gospel, but there you go. I mean, he could be very high on a lot of teams draft board, even though he's coming off the ACL tear. So that's a really good point that you bring up there, Hardcore. We do appreciate you. 3.57 is the time. We'll get back to more of your calls and texts after we talk to Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. And she joins us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.